You're listening to the MoneyWeb Now podcast series with Simon Brown. Live streamed every weekday at 6.30 a.m. Thursday, 1st of December, top 40 closed green for the year yesterday. I'm Simon Brown coming at you live and loud from the MoneyWeb Global Headquarters in Johannesburg, South Africa. On the show today, we're chatting with uh, Robin Cabela. I want to ask him, where's he looking for value in the JSC for the year ahead? And, and, and does the, the Parler Parler report change anything, if at all? Uh, Lula Krugel from PwC, Africa Chief Economist. Opportunities and actions to improve power supply and energy sustainability in South Africa. You might have far from uh, Kaspersky, rise of robots and manufacturing, and should there be security concerns. The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. Morning headlines from Daily Maverick, SA Politics and Turmoil. As panel says, President Ramaphosa must face impeachment. And from CNBC, Fed Chair Powell says smaller interest rate hikes could start in December. That's what Gary Boyson was hoping for yesterday. Morning markets, US, very green. They liked what Powell said. S&P up 3.1%, Nasdaq up 4.6%. Asia is green. Sydney up 0.4%, and Tokyo up 1.1%. Commodities, also all green. Gold, 1000 $782 an ounce. Brent, $86.71 a barrel. Platinum, 1051 an ounce. And palladium, 1904 Rand, $17.11. Bitcoin, $17,150. Tencent trading up 3.7% in Hong Kong. And top 40 opening, looking for a very green open, 1,300 points or 1.9%. MoneyWeb now. On the money. Also available on podcast. Turning now with uh, Lanwabo Nkabele, he's portfolio manager at Perpetua. Lanwabo, before we dive into what you're looking for in, in terms of value on the JSC, does overnight reports around the Parler Parler scandal sort of do you wake up this morning and throw everything out and think we need to start again? Or is, is, is political shenanigans just a part and parcel of being a fund manager? Yeah, I mean, Simon, we do spend time kind of thinking about the political environment. I mean, you know, they tend to have an impact on policies and mm. policies affect businesses. Yeah. So, you know, we do think about it. Um, I mean, in this specific case, you know, one one probably thinks, that, you know, that it's it's quite a high bar for, for impeachment and you, you would expect the president probably does have the ANC support. You know, they've seemed to, to, to be balanced that way. You know, but the market doesn't like the uncertainty. Um, you know, so there, there might be a little bit of a, you know, some concern around it. Um, yeah, but yeah, I would. I would yeah. The market's got the, the the twin. One is Paul saying lovely things, and then this happening. And I think the market's going to be schizophrenic this morning. Uh, turning to, yeah. to to looking forward, and 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 and, and you know, looking for for the value in the JC. I mean, where are you scouting? What, what are you and your team looking at, and 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 sectors, and thinking this is where we want to 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 have some exposure for for twenty twenty three. Yeah, I mean, it's so you know, on on the face of it, you know, the JC is actually quite cheap, so mm-hmm. it's. Kind of trading on nine times earning forward earnings versus a twenty-year average at twelve. You know, dividend yields are almost six percent. I mean, it, to some degree, it does reflect the commodity stocks um, yeah. where they tra- have trading on high earnings, and the market doesn't really believe them. Um, you know, so especially in an environment where maybe you know the interest rates start having an impact on on the global economy. So pro- 
probably people are expecting that there's going to be some softness there now. But, you know, I would also well, wouldn't be surprised. Um, but even notwithstanding that, Simon, I mean, you know, we able to find some, you know, businesses trading on eight, nine times earnings, you know, six plus dividend mm-hmm. yields. Um, so, yeah, so, and typically looking at defensive um, companies, um, so we're similarly concerned about the economic environment. So we're looking for businesses that, you know, on on, on um, attractive valuations, and then they tend to be less cyclical as well. So, you know, we think the hospital groups are a good example. They're still recovering from, you know, the COVID impact. Think about Netcare on 10 times earnings, you know, and actually earnings that are still well below pre-COVID. Um, we also like the hospitality groups. Similar stories, still recovering from COVID. I think the surprising thing, you know, to, to, many, to many listeners would be to find out that gaming is, is actually quite defensive. You know, it's um, <laughs> it, it, it tends to not be economically sensitive. So, you know, that's one. And I mean, even counters like APSA, um, you know, in the banks, I mean, I mean, Apps is up 35% and it's still trading on eight times forward earnings. So it just shows how, how cheap it got yeah. and how, how neglected, you know, it had been. Um, yeah. And, and maybe lastly, you know, able similarly to find globally defensive businesses like a British American tobacco on, on kind of nine times, five, nine times earnings, 5% dividend yield. So, yeah, I mean, lots, kind of lots to choose from, but I'd say the main theme in our thinking is we, we continue to be defensive in our posture. Yeah, I, I take that point. And lots of value out there. I take that. But uh, defensive is, is, is never a, a bad idea. And it, it, it's going to be a wild year. I mean, we're not out of any woods just yet. We'll leave that there. Don Robert Nakabella, he's our portfolio manager at Perpetua. And that's our poll today. We're asking around the, the, the report coming around, around potential impeachment and the president. This is, going to, this is going to take an age. It's going to be all over the news. And the question to you is, is how much is this sort of changing your thinking for 2020? 23. And Robo said there, yes, important, but you know, it, 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 it's probably going to end up just being processes. Have your vote, have your say, LinkedIn and Twitter. If seagulls were harder dars who could afford to retire to the coast, what kind of bird would you be? Would you soar over the savannah or chase summer around the globe? You see, even when you stop working, your money won't. When you invest in Stanlib's fixed income funds, you can retire earning a regular income off your investments. Invest for more certainty at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib is an authorized financial services provider and a registered manager. MoneyWeb now on the money. We're chatting now with uh, Lulu Krugel. She is a PwC uh, Africa chief economist. Uh, Lulu, appreciate the early morning time. Of course, we've just come out of COP27 happening in, in Egypt um, and, and bunches of, of, of your team members and colleagues were there, put together a, a report on, on energy. And the key thing, one of the key things you make, which I think is really important, and I'm not sure we, we sort of perhaps fully understand it, when you, you make the point, decarbonization is a powerful differentiator for organizations. And, and this is only going to be become even more so as, 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 as time moves on. Yes, good morning, Simon. No, you're absolutely right. I think one of the worrying messages from COP is, in fact, that the rate of decarbonization or the commitment toward de- decarbonization has not picked up this year as we would have thought. Mm. And the fact of the matter is, if we, if we look at the trend that we are on now, 
Um, it is nowhere near the one and a half percent target that we've set for ourselves for a maximum of, you know, the increase in temperatures. So for organizations uh, to differentiate themselves and to basically stay ahead of the curve, uh, that will be a key focus. And one of the other things that we think is going to become increasingly important is how they look at the value chain yeah. and the activities in their value chain in measuring that and, and in looking at their carbon footprints. That's a great point. And that's another point that was in, in, in that report, which is that value chain, that supply chain. Often the emissions, yes. before it gets to the, the, the business, it's sort of dwarfing what the actual corporate is. It, it's not just what you do. It's that whole sort of cradle to grave process. Absolutely. And it's tricky to manage and to measure. I mean, uh, you know, for organizations with complex supply chains, specifically, um, you know, if you think it, uh, about uh, where there's a lot of logistics involved, mm-hmm. products that needs to be moved, products that are manufactured, uh, that is something that there will be increasing pres- pressure. And we also think, for example, the ISSB is currently working um, on standards that will be released uh, fairly sh- fairly soon, where we believe that is definitely the one thing that will be in there. And now you're thinking to yourself, you know, if I'm a South African business, how does this apply to me? <laughs> uh, the fact of the matter is, if you're an exporter, uh, you know, in the next year or two, uh, some of the European standards will be applicable and will make you less or more competitive if you are able to, to, uh, to actually understand what's happening in your supply chain or not in terms of carbon footprint. And of course, in South Africa, we've got the added complexity of uh, load shedding, which, which isn't seeming to go anywhere anytime soon. And, and, and that sort of puts a, I don't want to say a burden. It, it means that, that, that cities and businesses need to actually focus on, on, on small scale uh, uh, embedded generation both from a renewable aspect which of course is is, is good for climate change but also just from a, a security of power yeah it's an interesting matter if we look at what you know for the whole continent actually um when we had discussions around um decarbonization you know a lot of it was around adaptation and mitigation uh, but it felt a little bit as though the rest of the world forgot that Africa, including South Africa, still has a massive access problem. Access to, to energy and electricity is still a massive issue that we need to deal with. So whatever solutions we come up with, we should keep that in the back of our minds. And, uh, you know, the same with cities and municipalities and businesses. Uh, you know, how do we continue to... In, in a South African context, secure access. But if you look at the rest of the of, of the continent, mm. also expand access to services. Yeah, I take that takes you a great point. The last point I want to make is that we do have now the legislative environment. I mean, if we had chatted uh, just a year ago, um, you know, the the the, the, the soft generation cap was was it was a ten megawatts? Would it? I mean, we've, we've, yes, I think yeah. <laughs> we've we've got the environment in place for 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 this to happen, for soft generation to actually start to to move forward. Yeah, that is that is true. There's a lot of movement that has happened. But I think one of the key things that, um, well, I must say it's one of the lawyers that worked with me, it wasn't me, <laughs> that picked up, was uh, the fact that there's misalignment in a lot of the of the regulation. And we mm. actually need to make sure that what is happening from an environmental perspective and, uh, you know, in terms of our energy legislation actually speak to its, uh, to each other and, uh, you know, don't contradict or cause unnecessary uh, pressures on the system. So that is that is something that I think will get a lot of attention over the next couple of, of months and years. And uh, we have some examples in terms of the rest of the world where we can look at what it's been what has been done. But obviously, we need to keep in mind our own um, our own 
situation when we when we come up with any legislation as well. Yeah, it's another great point. Is that legislation that needs to be in sync because different different parts if they don't talk to each other, it just doesn't work. We we'll leave it there, Lula Krugel. Always appreciate the time. She's of course PwC Africa chief economist. There's no postponing the inevitable. Your money knew this day would come. And you know what? It can hardly wait to start giving some back to you. When you invest in Stanlib's fixed income funds, you can retire earning a regular income off your investments. Invest for more certainty at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib is an authorized financial services provider and a registered manager. MoneyWeb now on The Money. I'm talking with Imad Huffer. He's head of technical experts at Kapersky. You might appreciate the, the time today. You, you did a recent survey in a couple of countries, including in South Africa. Uh, a bunch of data came out. Part of it is 74% of employees uh, said that robots should be more widely used in production. I suppose this isn't really a, a surprise. I mean, certainly, in a sense, the rise of the robot. We are seeing a lot more in it, particularly in manufacturing. Right. That's uh, basically what we got from the uh, from the survey. We we run the survey, as a matter of fact, across multiple countries in, in Meta. South Africa was part of that uh, uh, survey, and uh, in it, um, um, at least we thirty-six uh, percent of those we we uh, we talked to said that their organisation already uh, using uh, uh, robots and, and robotic systems in their uh, production uh, facilities and organisation. Uh, and uh, 93%, almost a similar percentage, they also ex- uh, expressed that their organization planning to uh, expand into that domain and start using uh, robots um, 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 in their uh, facilities. And, I mean, what this brings to, and I mean, as you point out, a third already using a little over or say it's certainly on the on the horizon. The, the, the issue then becomes security around this. And, and I suspect a lot of folks are kind of thinking you know, the sci-fi movies that we've thought. It, 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 it's not so much that. I mean, it, it's almost in a sense, it's just good old-fashioned cyber security, whether it's email or, or, or whether it's robots. Or are there extra levels that you need in the robotic space? Um, no, absolutely, because when you look at the, uh, we call it the, the, the operation uh, technology, that's mm-hmm. basically the environment where you operate uh, uh, robots and uh, industrial control systems. In that domain or in that environment, obviously, you would need to have a different set of uh, security measures comparing to a traditional uh, IT environment, uh, corporate environment. The protocols used in that environment is different. The kind the uh, or the way the network structure is different. The kind of threats we anticipate in uh, an uh, industrial facility is different or are different as well, comparing to um, the uh, any typical corporate IT uh, environment. So while they do have many in, in common from a cybersecurity standpoint, uh, we do see some differences. Uh, certain threats. Um, um, targeted towards that uh, kind of uh, facility. As you said, that it occurs to me, and obviously, if, if, if an email server gets hacked, there's a, a lot of corporate information there. I, I would imagine part of this would be would be IT, IP, it's, it's intellectual property as well that is potentially at, at risk. Absolutely. And when we look at the um, manufacturing or industrial uh, control uh, in, in general, um, we're talking about things or, or risk rather beyond just uh, losing money and uh, financial uh, losses. Mm-hmm. We're looking at uh, physical world 
damage, potential damage that could uh, affect lives, that could destabilize the economy uh, in total if the critical infrastructure, for example, in a certain uh, country was, uh, was targeted. So they can have a very devastating uh, impact. I mean, targeting the, the, the manufacturing facilities and the critical infrastructure, the industrial uh, control systems in general, they can have very uh, devastating effects on, on people and, uh, and, and society economies as well. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. I mean, yeah, I'm thinking of of perhaps you know, robots in a, in a vehicle manufacturing. Now, there could be personal uh, safety issues there. But but when you start moving to, uh, I'm thinking power grids and the like. I mean, there 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 certainly could be you know, a power station and the like using this sort of technology. Then suddenly the implications are quite significantly more more dire. Um, absolutely, absolutely. If we look at the power grid, for example, if it was somehow targeted. And we've seen certain cases in the mm-hmm. past couple of years in different parts of the world where um, all distribution or power generation facilities were targeted with uh, relatively simple uh, uh, cyber uh, cyber attacks. And they managed to cut the supplies across multiple uh, cities in different countries, uh, stop power generation and power distribution in that country, which means Health sector uh, stopped mm-hmm. functioning. The transportation stopped functioning. Many of the core functions that society depend on today would stop functioning uh, uh, at the same time because the uh, attack targeted the critical infrastructure and the power generation facility. It's something as simple as almost air gapping uh, uh, an option here. Or I mean, yeah, if, as soon as you do that, I suppose you, you need to at some point. And I'm thinking the Stuxnet uh, uh, virus from what a couple of decades ago. It can work only so far, but at the end of the day, it, it comes back to your your cybersecurity chiefs uh, within the corporate. You know what? Over the past two years, we've seen examples way far even simpler technically uh, than uh, Stuxnet. Stuxnet was a very uh, complicated piece mm-hmm. of uh, software and an attack overall. But if you look at the um, Colonial Pipeline, for example, attack uh, in uh, last year, actually, yeah. um, it, it was a simple ransomware attack, which is relatively simple uh, attack to, to implement. Uh, the problem here is that the attackers, the criminals, cyber criminals, they uh, capitalize on the fact that we are uh, using technology more and more. Our industrial facilities are more than ever connected to the Internet, to different kind of sensors. They need to be controlled and monitored from, uh, from far away, from central locations. And they are taking advantage of that, taking advantage of the fact that we are incorporating and building technology into the uh, manufacturing and industrial uh, uh, processes. Um, and at the same time, this uh, shows the, the importance of educating employees, not only in a yeah. corporate environment, in a finan- the financial sector, for example, but even in a manufacturing facility. We need to work on educating these employees how to operate uh, their systems uh, safely, how to protect these systems, and how to uh, basically be, be cyber immune, as we call it today, to eliminate the vast majority of these risks and to n- not not to be part of the attack in, in some sense. Yeah, I take your point. That, that, that is, I want to say almost always, but that often is the weakest link is, is the individual and, and we get you know, phishing attacks, uh, social engineering. We'll leave it there. You might have a head of a technical expert, Kapersky, appreciate the time today. 
That's it for today. Yesterday we were chatting with Gary Boyson. We're talking for Keeley results. Uh, local vacancies down to 2.3%. Stock tripled off the business. We asked if you're holding it or perhaps other uh, smaller REITs. Um, and just edging ahead, it was it almost evenly across the, the three options with folks saying no, but interested and then split evenly between the rest just under a third each. Yes, doing great or no, not for me. Have your vote, have your say, Twitter and LinkedIn. The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. We're live every weekday morning, the MoneyWeb website and the app 6.30 a.m. podcast just after 7. Thanks to my team, Eddie Nobokle, Nicole, to you for listening, my guests for their early morning. My name is Simon Brown. This is MoneyWeb Now. We'll chat again tomorrow. Is there a future for the office? You've been listening to another MoneyWeb Now podcast, posted every weekday at 7 a.m. on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb Now. On the money.